0: Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Welcome, y'all. Y'all doing all right this morning? Well, welcome to Farmville. Y'all thought y'all, thought y'all could avoid Farmville on Facebook? You can't avoid Farmville. Farmville is everywhere. Uh, unless you've ever, some of you probably never spent any time on, on Facebook, and you're like, what in the world is Farmville? I don't understand. What are you? What is this whole concept of Farmville? Well, uh, I'm glad you asked, because Farmville is a, this blows my mind, a real-time farm simulation game. Now, explain that. Uh, This game allows members of Facebook to manage a virtual farm. This still blows my mind. By planting and growing and harvesting virtual crops, virtual trees, and dealing with virtual livestock. And you say, well, who would want to do that? Well, let me explain. Since they, they launched FarmVille in June of 2009, so not that long ago, and since June of 2009, Farmville has become the most popular application in Facebook. Facebook with over this seventy-five point two million people deal with Farmville on a daily basis, and uh, you know, man, that, that's ridiculous. And and uh, and I I think we ought to stop and repent right now. I give an altar call. Do you? Do we have any farmers in the house? Anybody? Oh, see, there's one. I knew I knew we got a, uh-huh. Yeah, y'all too shame to admit it. We got people that play Farmville in the house this morning. Do you realize that while we're here, your crops are dying? Okay, so uh, now that I got your attention. See, urban people who have never even driven past a farm or never stepped on a farm or stepped in anything produced but y'all get that in a minute, never stepped in anything produced by a farm are virtually managing their own spread. What they're doing is they're getting this little peak, although it's a painless peak and it's a risk-free peak of what is involved in the ag- agricultural industry, lifestyle, and market. They are living life on their computer on a farm. Now, this is not blasphemy, what I'm getting ready to say, so listen carefully. I believe that Jesus would have been a fan of Farmville. Now, notice I didn't say that Jesus would waste his entire life playing Farmville. I just said that he would be a fan of Farmville because, this is why I believe that, is because he, un- he understood and was surrounded by Farming everywhere Jesus walked, everywhere Jesus went, everywhere Jesus spent his daily life, he was completely surrounded by individuals that were dealing with agricultural communities. He he was uh, he encountered farms, he encountered farmers because the, in the, that day and age, people grew as their means of income. They grew figs, they grew olives, and they dealt with grains, and so. Because of that, I think we can pick this up. What you do is you pick up the New Testament, you begin to read it, and you see, if you read carefully, a, th- a thread, a Farmville thread, if you will, running through Jesus' teachings. Because Jesus, in an effort or in an attempt to be relevant in his day and age, began to talk about agricultural issues. And so what he did is uh, especially in the parables, if you will, if you go back and read through the parables, you recognize that Jesus was constantly talking about farming issues. And and For instance, out of um, all the parables that Jesus told, there were nine of those parables dealt with farming. Let, Let me remind you, he told the parable of the fig tree. He told the parable of picking grain on the Sabbath. He told a parable about the mustard seed. He told a parable about the sower. He told a parable about the tenants in the vineyard. He told a parable about the vine and the branches. He told a parable about the weeds and the wheat. He told a parable about the workers in the vineyard. And then he came back and he told a parable about the yeast. And so what I would submit to you this morning is that even if you've never actually driven past a farm or you've never visited a farm, that The truth is this morning is that whether you've ever played uh, Farmville or not on the computer, Jesus' agricultural teachings have deep meaning for us and implication for our lives. Now, I don't have time. I wish I did to deal with all nine parables. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to focus in on the one parable that I think is probably Jesus' greatest agricultural teaching. And although this parable, when we begin to read it, you're going to recognize that it deals with how we respond and how we receive spiritual truth, you also need to understand that this parable has further reaching implications uh, than that for us because what it does is it talks about every area of our life. It addresses our home life. It addresses our relationships. it It addresses our finances. It addresses our work ethic, and it addresses our spiritual. Walk with God. It is wide in its scope and it's deep in its reach into the fabric of our lives. And I know you've heard this story all of your life. I began to hear these parables as a child in children's church. And so now I can read them without really reading them. You know what I'm saying? And so this morning, what I want you to do is as we read this familiar parable once again, I want you to read it as if. You're hearing it for the first time. I want you to put yourself in a farm environment. Go ahead, just in your own mind. Uh, I don't know what you need to do. I don't know if, if you need to think about corn stalks or maybe you need to think about uh, cattle or maybe somebody out to moo real loud or something. But however in your own mind you position yourself, sitting on a hillside, l- overlooking a farm, listen to what this parable says. It's found in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1 and going through verse 8 and then skipping over into... Uh, verse 18 through verse 23 listen to what he says he says about that same time Jesus left the house and sat on the beach in no time at all a crowd gathered along the shoreline forcing him to get into a boat and using the boat as a pulpit he addressed his congregation telling stories what do you make of this a farmer planted seed As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it, and some fell in the gravel, and it sprouted quickly but didn't put down roots. And so when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds as it came up. It was strangled by the weeds, and some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Study this story of the farmer planting seed. When anyone hears the news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. That is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. The seed cast in the gravel. That is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm, but there is no soil of character. So when emotions wear off and some difficulty arise, there is nothing to show for it. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard and nothing comes of it. The seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wild, wildest dreams. This is the parable of the sower. We know this story. Over the course of the next few weeks, I want us to go back to this This backdrop, if you will, of a farming scene where Jesus is talking about sowing and reaping and recognize that that has deep implications for us as followers of Christ. In fact, if you take the parable of sower and you break it down into three elements, it basically addresses sowing and it addresses reaping and then also it addresses the soil that we sow into. I want us to look at those. But before I do, can I just uh, share some farm laws with you, if you will. The first farm law is this, and that is you cannot escape the laws of the farm. One of the options in Facebook is that you can block certain applications, thank God. you know what I mean. If those of you that are on there, when you start to receive like I get these all the time, tree requests and tractor requests, and I got one last week from Crystal Vance of a harness request, and I thought she was serious, and I emailed her back, said I've got two hunting harnesses that I use on, and she's no, no, that's my farm. I'm trying to build my farm. I need some harnesses, and it, and you can block all those. All those you can block. Get a life requests and. Y'all get that one later too. And you can block all that and move on and you don't have to think about Farmville. But the reality this morning is that you cannot, this is a sobering thought, you cannot escape the laws of the farm. Because the law of the farm is this, sowing and reaping. That is a natural law and it is a supernatural law and everybody under the 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 sun that God has placed in the sky operates and is affected by seed time and harvest regardless of whether they've ever bowed their knee to God or not, regardless if you've been in church all of your life and came to know Jesus when you were three years old, the reality for all of us is we cannot escape the law of Farmville, which is we all sow and we all reap. That is a law that we must deal with. That is a law of the kingdom, and we need to embrace it. So here are some of the implications of the fact that we cannot escape the laws of the farm. The first one is this. Seed limits limit harvest. All right, we've got some seed over here. And so let's just, let's just uh, show you as an example if I go out into a field and I begin to sow my seed and I take one seed and I throw it into the ground, I limit how much harvest I'm going to receive by how much seed I plant. So therefore if I if I dig deep down into my barrel and I take a bunch of seed not just one seed and I throw it all into the ground then I'm going to receive a greater harvest because I planted more. The way that we limit our seed impacts our harvest. The Bible teaches it very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. It says this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap Generously, I like the way it says it in the message Bible. It says it like this Remember, I love this a stingy planner gets a stingy crop, a lavish planner gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the, cheer f- when the giver delights in the giving. So, some of us, whether we realize it or not, We limit our own harvest by how much seed we are willing to plant. Y'all are real quiet this morning because there are implications for all of our life. We think that the concept of limited sowing only relates to money. We think that when the preacher gets up and starts preaching about sowing and reaping and planting seed, that what he's talking about is only relating to the offering bucket. And now you're beginning to question, did I give enough in the offering? But this has implications for our entire life. See, we think that God only takes notice when the offering bucket goes by. And I will let you in on a clue. He does take notice, by the way. But that is not the only area of sowing that he takes notice notice of. See, here, here, let me break it down for you. For instance, we limit our the, the harvest in our relationships by how we sow into them. In other words, you limit the harvest you're going to receive in your relationships in a daily life by how you Sow into those relationships. For instance, if you hold somebody at arm's length and you build up walls and you won't ever let anybody get close to you and you won't ever let anybody get to know who you really are and you will never lower your defense mechanisms, your limited sowing will produce a limited harvest and you will have a shallow life. Thank you. I was waiting on that, Quinn, because that's truth. We, we, We see this happen at work. When we only sow... By doing what's expected to do. When we only sow what, by, by doing what is on our job description and, and what, when the boss is around, we work really hard, but the rest of the time we play. And when we don't go the extra mile and we don't go above and beyond, then we limit the harvest of promotion and we limit the harvest of our testimony and we limit the harvest of favor because of what we sowed that happens in giving, in financial giving, when we tightly clench our fist around our finances, and then we expect God to open the windows of heaven, and then we become bewildered by the the drought in our life. We wonder what happened. It's farming laws. What you sow, you reap. And if you only sow stingily, is that a word? Stingy. If you're stingy, then you get a stingy harvest. See, God loves a cheerful. I want you to think about that moment. We we think again about that only in the terms of finances, but I want you to think about that in relationship of your uh, of your daily relationships, your workplace, your finances. God loves it when we give ourselves away freely and, and gladly to the people that we're in relationship with. That has impact and implication into your marriage. That has impact and implication into your relationships at school and at work and everywhere you go. You've got to so abundantly if you want to have a abundant harvest. See, I want to tell you very bluntly this morning that stinginess makes life on the farm hard. This isn't so much about the quantity of seed as it is about the attitude towards the seed. Did you hear that this morning? I'm not, I'm not trying to twist your arm and get you to give more in the offering. I, I'm just telling you this morning that when your attitude changes about your seed and you understand that you may only have a little bit to sow, but it is my willingness to go ahead and sow that determines the amount of my harvest. The seed we sow, I want you to catch this, the seed we sow is a photograph of our faith. Let that sink in for just a moment. The seed that we sow is a photograph. It's like taking a picture of our faith level because if we are unwilling or we we hesitate or we become stingy in our sowing, what it reveals is that we don't really trust God because I need this worse than He does and He won't come through. If If I... sow myself into this relationship and I give myself away, then I don't trust that God will protect my heart. If I, if I try to do above and beyond what my employer says, I don't trust God when he says that he'll make room for my gifts and that promotion comes from God. I, I don't trust him to see what I'm doing. I don't really trust God. It is a picture of your faith level. The, the next thing I want to say to you is this, and I don't like this law. I will say to you that this is probably the most forgotten law on the farm. I hate this law. It's my least favorite one because it forces me to take personal responsibility for the outcome. Are you ready for this? Here's the law The harvest is your fault. I I don't like that one. Let me, can I say it in King James Version? What you sow, you reap. So in other words, in Steve Ely language, what that means to me is the harvest is my fault. See, we have forgotten that law, and what we think is that we can do anything we want to do and get away with it that God is so busy with all of the other stuff going on across planet earth and with somebody somebody else's life that he never notices what we're doing and we're not obligated to live by the laws of sowing and reaping anymore and I can treat you any way I want to treat you and I can say anything I want to say and I can act any way I want to act and then when, I, when the repercussions come and the harvest that I created comes into my life, then I want to act like the basketball player on the basketball court that has just killed somebody and then throws his hands up in there and going, what? I didn't Do anything. Why why are you calling a foul on me? Why am I receiving this punishment? Why am I receiving this this harvest? I didn't have nothing to do with it. No, no. We reap what we sow. That ought to change how we live our lives. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 8 says this: says, Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. Period. That's the law. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. I want to tell you this morning that you control what you harvest. Now, please understand, and we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks, you you don't necessarily control the timing of the harvest, but you do control what you harvest. Because why? Because a seed produces after its own kind. Anybody ever planted tomato seeds before? Anybody? All right. How about flowers? Anybody ever plant any flowers? Like, okay, you get rose, whatever you get to bulbs, buds, I don't know, whatever you whatever you plant for roses. Did you put them in the ground and then Five weeks later, you come back and daffodils grew in their place? No. You went out and you threw tomato seeds in the ground, and you come back nine weeks later, and oranges have sprung up out of nowhere? No, because seed produces after its own kind. And so what we need to understand is we need to wake up to to this law and understand that you cannot sow anger and expect to reap peace. You cannot sow snarky words and expect to reap soft answers in return. You cannot sow hate and expect to reap love. You cannot sow prejudice and expect to receive acceptance. You cannot sow any of those things and expect anything other than that to be rewarded to you in your harvest. You can't sow laziness at work and expect to reap promotion. I got right in your job, didn't I? See we can assess what you are sowing by what you are reaping. Your seed reveals what your your harvest re- reveals what you planted. You can't hide it because like always produces like and we need to understand that your crops reveal what you planted in your life. And so, therefore, if everyone you, everywhere you go, people are always upset and angry and mad and fighting, maybe the common denominator is you. If everywhere you go, there's drama and turmoil and everybody's stressed out, maybe the common denominator is the seed that you're planting there. Because we sow and then we reap maybe if maybe if you can't seem to get the promotion at work even though you've tried 2 dozen different jobs then maybe it's the seed that you're sowing in the workplace and maybe not every boss is crazy maybe maybe it was you see i, I just want to tell you this morning somebody needs to hear me this is a word from the lord right here hear, hear me your harvest will not change until your seed does Oh, there's this old saying, uh, we, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing the same way all the time and expect something different. That's my paraphrase, right? I do the same thing over and over again. I plant the same seed over and over again, and then I expect God somehow to miraculously step in and intervene and undo what I've planted and give me an entirely different harvest. But he's bound by his own laws. So maybe it's time for a seed check. Maybe we need to go back and see what we're sowing in our lives. Maybe we need to go back and examine what we're sowing into relationships. Maybe we need to go back and s- see what we're sowing at work, what we're sowing in our homes, in what we're sowing at school. Maybe we need to go back and do a seed check. See, I don't think we should complain our ba- uh, co- that we should complain about our harvest unless we're willing to deal with our seed isn't it crazy people will complain well everybody doesn't like me yeah check your seed I'm preaching I'm preaching right now I'm always having problems in my married life yeah check your seed okay I'll move on let me me get you I'm going to get you to agree with me whether you like it or not I want you to say this after me come on now Here we go. Are you ready? I want you to say this. My harvest is my fault. See? You know it. It's the truth. Examine what you're harvesting in your life. It's a direct result of the seed that you sow. Then the last thing I want to say to you this morning is a law that we need to understand on the farm. It's this. Don't fight the fertilizer. I want to start a new fan club. There's fan clubs all over the world. I want to start a a new one called Fertilizer Fertilizer. Is our friend. I want you to understand this morning, I'm a fan of fertilizer. Here's why. In John chapter 12, verse 24, the Bible says this It says, Listen carefully, unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. Got a question for some of you this morning. Have you ever felt like your life has just been buried? I'm going to be honest with you, I've been there. There have been times when I thought everything that could go wrong had gone wrong, and I felt like everything around me was falling apart, and my life was completely and totally buried, and I didn't like the smell of the stuff that buried it. But I've come to this place in my life where I understand that, that we've got to know that fertilizer is our friend. And we cannot fight what God has placed and positioned in our life. In order to grow us, we cannot fight what is fertilizing the growth in our life. Because you need to understand something this morning. Fertilizer does not inhibit growth. Fertilizer forces and assists in growth. All the stinky, painful, hurtful, agonizing moments of your life are not wasted, they are fertilizer. What we like to do, it's natural instinct that when we feel like we're being dumped on, we want to fight our way out of being buried under those things but can I just remind you this morning another thing on the farm you know when a chicken is is uh, uh, lays an egg and there's a, a baby chicken in that egg if you see the little baby bird trying to fight its way out of the egg and you walk over and you help it more times than not the baby chicken dies because it needs the fight the resistance to make itself stronger and I am telling you this morning that unless a seed is buried it will not reproduce after its own kind. We need the fertilizer in our lives. It makes us stronger. You need resistance. You need somebody in your life that will resist you. Some of you are thinking right now, man, if I could get a microphone in a spotlight, I could achieve everything that God wants me to achieve. You need somebody that will come along and jerk the microphone out of your hand and turn the light switch off and say, go sit down. You're not ready yet. You need people in your life that will hold you accountable and resist you and ask you the hard questions like, what are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What are you watching? How are you treating your spouse? Are you reading your Bible? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you paying your tithes? Those are not fun questions, but they are fertilizer that resists us and force us to grow. We need resistance in our life. Because an unresisted life is a shallow, weak life. Can I tell you that most of us like to surround ourselves with people who will always say yes? Should I buy that car? Oh, yeah. Buy it. You don't have a dollar to your name, but go buy it. Go ahead, man. You you deserve it. Go get it. Go get the, don't, don't, don't get the Toyota. Get the Mercedes. That's the one you need. You ain't been able to pay your light bills for 6 months but go go buy your Mercedes go ahead you deserve it you've worked hard I'm preaching real good right now go 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 just go buy the big screen TV I know your credit cards are maxed out and the creditors are calling you but they can't get a hold of you cuz your phone is cut off but go get the big screen TV you deserve it baby you've worked hard all week long We want Should should I spend all my time with this person? Oh, yeah, man, you ain't prayed in nine months. But go ahead, go spend time with them. They're helping you. Come on, go for it. We want people in our lives that will always say, yes, what I am saying to you is you need to have at least one person in your life that God has positioned and assigned to you that will look you square in the eye and say, are you crazy? No. Absolutely not. Because the moment you put somebody in your life like that, they become the voice of God in your life. And it causes resistance to take place. And it causes you to grow. I wish I could tell you that the Christian life is always easy. I wish I could tell you it's always a cakewalk and a a rose parade. But the reality this morning is, is you don't grow stronger when it's easy. We grow stronger when there is resistance to our life. So quit complaining about the fertilizer. Understand. Take a deep breath and smell it real good. Do you know what you're smelling? You're smelling the smell of growth. That's what that is. In the Old Testament, the Bible says, I've taught you this before, but I'm going to teach you again. The Bible says that they would take a, a spices, five different spices, and they would mash them together. And out of that mashing, they would produce an anointing oil that they would pour over the priest's head, and it would flow down. We need to understand that that in the 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 art of the apothecary was that they would take two sweet spices and two bitter spices signifying that God takes all the good things of our life and he takes all the bad things of our life that we don't like it's fertilizer and he mashes it all together And then there was a fifth ingredient that we don't know what it was, signifying that some of us are headed into things that we don't know how we're going to deal with them. We don't know what we're going to do. But God can step in, even into the unknown, into tomorrow, the things that we are going to face. He's working in all of that. He's mixing the good things, the bad things, the things we don't know about. And he works them all together. And when it's all finished, it produces an anointing in our lives. You don't have an anointing without the bitter things. You don't have an anointing without the stinky things. You've got to have all of that applied to your life. In Passion for the Word, we've been reading out through Acts, and then I'm going to be done. I'll be out of here. In Acts chapter 15, it was Friday, and I was reading along there, and the Bible says that the apostles were arguing over whether or not God had actually reached to the Gentiles. The Bible says that Peter stood up and he began to defend what God was doing. And he made this statement. It caught my attention in verse 10 in the message Bible. It says it says like this. He says, Why do you try to keep out godding God? And my question for us this morning is in all the painful areas of our life and those things that we don't like and those things that resist us if we're not careful. My challenge to you is this, is if we're not careful, we will try to out God, God. And we will say, no, that can't be from God. And the pain can't come from God. And that that hard situation can't be from God, and I'm going to fight my way out of it. But quit trying to out God, God. God may be the one that sent it so that it will cause us to grow and mature in Him so those are the laws of the farm. I just want to remind you this morning that how you sow, if you limit your seed, you will limit your harvest. I want to remind you this morning that what you sow, don't, listen, your harvest is your fault. What you sow, don't try to make God a liar. He will never be a liar. What you sow, you will reap the day is coming that your seed will produce a harvest therefore we got to make sure we're sowing the right kind of seed and then we've also got to come to this place where we quit fighting the fertilizer and blaming all the bad things on the devil because what if it was from God don't out God God you'll never pull it off We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to bury us until He's finished with us and produces in us the harvest that He desires. Those are the laws of Farmville. The seed laws. I want you to stand this morning with me. What does this mean? Does this mean that I can live my life without thinking about the implications of my actions. No, it means that we have to check our seed. I want to challenge you this morning that some of you need to understand and recognize that you've been trying to live outside the laws of the farm. won't work. You are bound, believer or not. Can, man, I, I wasn't going to go here, but I will. Can, can I just prove it to you? Anybody watch Tiger Woods' press conference this week? I did. He's not a believer. He told you right in the in the thing what he believes in. He's a Buddhist. So we know he doesn't believe in God. Can I tell you what Tiger's taught us through all this? That what you sow, you reap. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter how experienced or talented you are. It doesn't matter how famous you are. We are bound by the farm laws, which says... What we sow, we reap. Therefore, I need you to examine your seed again. How am I treating people? Do I need to go back and preach house manners? How are you treating people? Because you will reap what you sow. How are you working your work? I want to tell you right now that every person under the sound of my voice, I hope, Dr. Beecham, I I, I modeled this because I, I worked for Dr. Beecham, and I believe I did. I I believe that every person under the sound of my voice, we ought to be the best employees at Burger King or at the White House. It does not matter. We ought to show forth the excellencies that should go through us because of what Jesus has done in life. We ought to work harder than everybody. We shouldn't take more breaks, We shouldn't steal pins, We shouldn't take nine hour lunch breaks. We ought to be the mo- when the boss is out of the room, we ought to work harder. of the laws of the farm you don't like your harvest change your seed and then last I want to say to some of you that are struggling right now and you're enduring hardships and it's been a painful season hang on it's just fertilizer I want to get a t-shirt that says don't fight the fertilizer some of you fighting by running to bottles and running to drugs and running to friends and running to prayer warriors and running to tape ministries and running? No, quit fighting what God is trying to do in you. Because if you unbury what God is trying to bury, you waste the harvest. Let's pray. Father, hear our hearts this morning. Teach us your laws and your ways. God, I pray for the people under the sound of my voice that don't like their harvest. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would expose their seed for what it is. And I pray, God, that you would enable us to examine our seed. I pray every person under the sound of my voice this morning would take a hard look what they're sowing and how much they're sowing not the quantity as much as the attitude towards let us be cheerful in the fact that we're sowing good seed help us all to do a seed check this week and when we begin to get harvest that we don't like I pray that you would remind us about Farmville just long enough for us to go back and check what we sowed into that encounter what did we sow into that conversation what did we sow into that relationship what did we sow at work Teach us, God. And Father, I pray that we would take responsibility for our harvest. And we would understand that our harvest is our fault. And finally, Father, I pray for those that are struggling this morning. That are enduring hard times. That are dealing with broken issues in areas of their life. Then God, I pray that right now you would let them see what those things really are. You're trying to teach us to grow. Help us to stay buried long enough to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, You can't live without passion.